you to turn with me to Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. Luke chapter 4 and verse 14. As we begin this morning, what, what all do y'all think about when you consider popularity? What comes to your mind when you think about popularity? Who in here has been caught up with that word sometimes, sometime at some point in your life? I just want to be popular. Well, popular means relating to the general public, suitable to the majority, widely accepted or commonly liked or approved. I would say that in a general sense that every person desires to connect with other people in relationship. And uh, we enjoy belonging to a group of people and by and large we want to be liked, right? I believe that's part of human nature. There's a discussion today in our world that's uh, it goes like this and they, they make this statement, are you on the right side of history? On the right side of history. And so that has to do with some of the political decisions that are made today, the moral decisions, the ethical decisions, the religious decisions. And they make that statement because they want to be on the popular side. As people look back from the future, back on time, they want to be able to say that they're on the right side of history. Because we often want to be among the right people and have the esteem of others. And so as we look here in the Gospel of Luke today, I want us to see that Jesus was popular for a time. The Scriptures here. Uh, I really enjoyed diving into these verses of Scripture because I see the, the springtime of Jesus' ministry. He was just coming on the scene and, and, and He was popular. People wanted to hear what He had to say. I remember that as a younger ministry, the, the springtime of ministry that you just announced your call, you begin the ministry, and, and everybody wants to hear what you have to say, and you're the newest person on the block, perhaps the talk of the town, you get invited to revival after revival, but then the enthusiasm kind of uh, wanes a little bit and you realize you're no longer in the springtime of ministry, you're possibly in the summertime, or maybe the fall time, or maybe in the dead cold of winter you go through different seasons but Jesus here as we look at this passage today Jesus is in the springtime of ministry and the Bible here tells us that he received the praise of everyone I don't know if you've ever considered that but I want to warn you this morning as we look at this Maybe you haven't heard this statement before, but Jesus is going to be preaching in His hometown. He's going back to His, his place where He grew up. And you would think, man, that would be awesome to go back to your hometown people, everybody that saw you grow up. But it's going to be shocking to us today. And I want you to know this, that you've got to be careful in this life not to be allow your identity to be connected with the praise of men too much. Neither should you allow your identity to be connected with the criticism of men too much. Because if we live based on popular opinion or what other people think about us, we can go from a hero to a zero in a split second. You know that? And so we've got to be more like Jesus. 
He understood that. But Jesus didn't allow public opinion to knock him off of his mission in this world. Let's begin reading here and dive in to the text in Luke chapter 4 verse 14. It says this, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Can you imagine the, the power that Jesus manifests? He had just overcome the adversary face to face. The enemy had been there to try to knock him off course. And yet he returns to Galilee and it says, There went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And He closed the book and He gave it to the, again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on Him, and he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bare him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, the city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow." And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saying, Naaman the Syrian. And they all in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him to the brow of the hill whereupon, whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. What do you think? Public opinion changed really quick. Jesus began His ministry. That's the title of this message. And as we look in this passage, here's what I want us to see. Jesus' ministry shined in Galilee and was praised. It tells us very clearly, as Jesus came on the scene, that Everyone was going from synagogue to synagogue in the region of Galilee. They wanted to hear what He had to say. And we'll look at that a little bit more in depth. Secondly, we'll see that Jesus shared the good news in His hometown. And you would think that this a man of His stature and men of His caliber being praised in Galilee, that He would receive the same praise in His hometown. But in the end of this, I want you to see that uh, all, every one of us, just as Jesus here, Jesus preached in the shadow of the cross. 
in the shadow of the cross. And so I want us to know this morning that every one of us are called to live in the shadow of the cross. And uh, as we think about that, we'll find that living for popularity is not going to be the aim of the believer. But living for the pleasure of God is what our aim must be because there is no truth outside of the cross. There is no truth outside of the cross. And the world considers the preaching of the cross to be foolish. To be foolish. Even this week I saw a few commentators, uh, just someone bowing on the nation's capital, capital on the floor of Congress where legislation is being made. It was mocked by many people because they began to say that why do we need some divine guidance to direct us in this life? I tell you, that's just a little glimpse of the attitude of our nation and of our world today uh, toward the things of God. But that should not sway us, brothers and sisters. If we follow Jesus Christ in this world, we are not going to be in the popular crowd. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Because when you live a life to please God, and you have the hand of God on your life, the pleasure of God on your life, the joy and peace and love of God in your heart, He will sustain you. Because standing with Jesus is more important than standing with the majorities of this world. And so let's break this down just for a moment. Look at, look at this in verse 14 again. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. Now, Galilee, as I've shared with you in the past, as you think about Israel and how it's broken down, Judea is in the southern portion of, of Israel. In the middle section of Israel is the area known as Samaria. And the northern section of Israel is Galilee. And many people, even in the Scriptures, it says that Galilee referred to as the Galilee of the nations because they were surrounded by many of the other nations of the world. And Galilee often was the area of Israel that was less conservative. It was influenced by uh, the thoughts and ideas of the world in a great way. But it says Jesus went there to His home region of Galilee. And it says that He was empowered by the Spirit. The word power there in the original language means dynamis. It's where we get the word dynamic. I'll tell you, as Jesus began to preach, can you imagine, even at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it said, Jesus taught not like the scribes and the Pharisees. He's taught with authority. Can you imagine if Jesus began to teach that it, it was, there, there was a, the winds of heaven because uh, the, whole, the Holy Spirit, the word Spirit means pneuma or wind or breath. Can you imagine that Jesus was preaching the breath of God was going out on the congregation and there was something that was heavenly and something that was holy and something that was stirring in the hearts of the people as Jesus went from synagogue to synagogue to preach the message. And it says there, as he began to preach, there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. So the news was, was spreading. Uh, have you heard this man Jesus? Have you heard him teach or preach? And he's something else. He's the talk of the town. He's the newest uh, uh, preacher on the block. And so the fame of him, the reports, they were spreading all over the place. And it says there that he taught, verse 15, he taught in their synagogues 
being glorified of all. And so what was it like? Jesus, His mission, Jesus' primary mission in the world was not uh, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. Jesus' primary mission, you see Him saying this, and we'll see Him saying it more and more as we walk through this Gospel. He said, I've got to go and preach in other towns and other cities. Jesus' primary mission in this world was to preach the truth, to preach the Gospel, and then He would embody that message by giving His life and dying on the cross for humanity that we might be saved. But He's primarily a preacher and a teacher. He was there, as I shared earlier, that He preached. What was the summation of His message? He said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the Gospel. If you want to model your preaching after Jesus, you've got to model it after that. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. There's one king, there's one Savior in the world, and that king was willing to die on an old rugged cross and shed His blood for you and me. And Jesus said, you need to turn to God. You need to turn to God and believe the good news. That's not a popular message today either. Repentance, is it? I'm telling you, Jesus preached this message. He was popular there for a time because they, they, the people didn't have time at this moment to gather all their arguments to, to be able to go against Him. And they were just kind of following His movement right here because He's beginning His Galilee ministry. But this is not the beginning of His full ministry because He had actually been ministering in Judea prior to this. If you read the earlier chapters of John, He spent some time after He was baptized by John, before John was shut up in prison, Jesus spent a considerable amount of time in Judea ministering to the people in that area. But then He went to Galilee. And from verse 14 of chapter 4 of Luke all the way into chapter 9, we're going to spend with Jesus in this area of Galilee ministering and preaching the Gospel. Now what was it like for Jesus here as he was going from synagogue to synagogue, I wanted to. Make, I want you to make sure you understand what it was like. Jesus says he grew up. He grew up in a synagogue. He didn't grow up in a in a church in a sense. But I want you to understand what a synagogue was about. James Edwards shares these things about uh, what it was like for for the synagogues in that time. The synagogue was the religious, social, and educational nucleus of a Jewish community. Unlike the temple in Jerusalem where animals were sacrificed on the altar by priests, Jewish synagogues, according to rabbinic nomenclature, were assembly halls or auditoriums which functioned primarily as worship centers where Torah, or that's the first five books of the Bible, was read and expounded, and secondarily as community centers, guest houses, and perhaps schools for children. And so this was the purpose of a synagogue. It was an assembly hall for the purpose of reading the law of God and expounding it, uh, the law and the prophets. And so after the destruction of, or after the children of Israel had gone into exile, the synagogue began to arise on the scene because there wasn't, they couldn't get back to the temple. And so they began to develop synagogues as places where they could worship God, center their lives around the Word of God. And in order to have a synagogue in a town or a village, you had to have at least 10 Jewish men that were 13 years old and over that would be able to covenant together to be able to establish a house of worship. And so this is how they began to spring up. And there's many synagogues. I remember going uh, to the synagogue in Capernaum. You can go over there today. 
And it's a big stone building where uh, the synagogue of Jesus, you can see the foundational stones that are there. They're all over the place. They're all over our world today. The Jews are still expounding the law and the prophets, but uh, we see Jesus here going into that synagogue. And so what would happen would be this. I want you to consider what was a typical worship service in a synagogue. First of all, you'd have a ruler of the synagogue, and you can read about those in the New Testament. Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. He's the one that had a daughter that was sick, and Jesus went in and raised her from the dead. But a ruler of the synagogue was responsible for overseeing the worship, overseeing the library, overseeing the educational areas of the synagogue. And so he handled those things. He was also responsible for uh, when guests came in that they would call on people to expound the Scriptures. And so a typical worship service in a synagogue of that day would be like this. Uh, James Edwards says this, it says, During worship, a Torah scroll was first produced from the Torah chest, followed by a scroll from the prophets, both which were read aloud from the adjacent podium. And so they'd pull a, a scroll of the Torah or the first five books of the Bible, and a scroll of the prophets, and they would read them, and then there would be a time uh, to expound on those Scriptures. And so we see that is kind of the, the model of what was going on in there. So they would sometimes read, a, read a, or sing a hymn. They would uh, quote the 18 blessings, which, which was a Jewish custom. And then they would read part of the Hebrew Scriptures out of the law. And then they would have an Aramaic portion of reading of that. They would translate it. And then they would read a Hebrew portion out of the prophets. And then they would interpret that into Aramaic. And then someone would be asked to expound on the Scriptures. And so this is what we see Jesus doing as He goes into Nazareth. And Jesus had been doing this. This was His practice. And so it tells here, what was, what was His acceptance at the beginning? It says He taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. He was pray, highly praised, highly exalted. Everybody was excited about what He had to say. Can you imagine that? Jesus was drawing crowds. But here's a few things I just want to remind you as points of application. Jesus enjoyed a spring season of ministry. He was a breath of fresh air. He taught not like the scribes and Pharisees. He taught with love, authority, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Everyone who heard Him was taken back. And so, first of all, I want you to know a point of application. We need to live our lives in step with the Holy Spirit. We need to walk in step with the Spirit of God. If we walk in step with the Spirit of God, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we've got to be careful not to live our lives based on popularity or popular opinion. We've got to do what does God say? What does it God encourage us to do? And then third, we need to realize that we're here to please God. Public opinion can change fast. The same people who are praising Jesus right here were perhaps those that would try to humble Him with their criticism, hatred for the truth, and persecution in days to come. And so, Jesus' ministry shined in Galilee and He was praised. Let's look at His message here in His hometown. It says in verse 16, He came to Nazareth where He had been brought up. What's it like to Jesus knew what it's like to live in a small town, right? 
What do y'all think about small hometowns? Everybody knows everybody and everybody knows everybody's business and everybody knows everybody's business, not just for today, but all the business from the past. Everything was going on. Jesus knew that. And so Jesus went up to his hometown where he'd been nurtured and raised, where, where the angel Gabriel had come down from heaven and visited Mary 30 years prior to this moment of Jesus going into the synagogue and said, you're going to bear the Son of God. Uh, Joseph and Mary had gone, had left there to go down to Bethlehem for Jesus to be born in the city of David. Uh, the angels had opened up heaven and said, this is Christ Jesus the Lord. Uh, they'd returned there after a time to Nazareth. And from time to time every year they would go, they would travel from Nazareth down to, to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. We already looked at that earlier in this gospel. But this was Jesus' hometown. The, the attitude, it wasn't, some say it was a, a little bit bigger than a village, but uh, it was off the beaten path is one thing I want you to know. The city of Nazareth was not on a main road. Capernaum was on a main road, but Nazareth was not on a main road. It was off on a, a, a little beaten path or another, another little road. You had to, it was on, not on the main highway, basically what I want you to see. It was, it was built in a basin. There were three sides of that city that were kind of had, had cliffs on them. And so we see here Jesus has grown up in this little area, this basin of an area. And the attitude of this town, it, 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 this tells you something. When Jesus was calling out disciples, and I believe it was Nathaniel that said this, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That was probably some of the popular opinion of what it was like to grow up. Because when uh, they were, Philip, I believe, was telling Nathaniel, hey, we found the Messiah. You've got to come see him. He's like, hey, can he, he's from Nazareth? A prophet can come out of Nazareth? What, what are you saying? And so uh, this is the little town that Jesus grew up in. But it tells us here very, something very succinct and something very important. Look at this. I love this part of this verse in verse 16. It says, And as His custom was. What, what is a custom? A custom is an accepted or habitual practice of long standing. So if you've got customs, that means it's something that you practice over and over and over and over again. So let me share something with you. Who in here wants to be more like Jesus? Okay, I figured you would answer yes. I was hoping you'd answer yes. If you want to be more like Jesus, says, as his custom was, what did it say about it? He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. What I want you to see there is that Jesus had a habit, a long-standing habit of meeting with the people of God on the Sabbath day. Now realize the Sabbath day was on the sundown on Friday night to sundown on Saturday night. That was the Jewish Sabbath. We today, as God's people, we worship on Sunday, the Lord's Day, for the purpose of remembering His resurrection, remembering the fact that He's fulfilled all the Old Covenant, and we're here today walking in the newness of life. We're walking and celebrating what Jesus did in His death, burial, and resurrection. He rose on the third day on a Sunday. And so we worship on a Sunday to remember what He has done. So, And even, even still, Jesus would meet with His early church. He was in the long-standing habit of gathering with the people of God. For 30 years, his mother and father had carried him. Well, 
We don't know if Joseph was still alive at this point in time because he's not, re- he's not mentioned later on in the Scripture. He's, he's mentioned in the birth narrative, but we don't hear of Joseph at the cross. So Jesus understood. I found a lot of comfort in Jesus understood what it was like to lose his father perhaps at an early stage in life. That's brought me a lot of comfort that I've been able to draw near to my brother who uh, he sticks closer than any brother because he understands those things. But nevertheless, he was, if the synagogue doors was open, we could say that Jesus was there. I thought it comical too. Can you imagine Jesus sitting back even as a young child thinking, he, at age 12, He was expounding the doctors of law in the, in the temple, down in the heart of Jerusalem. Can you imagine all the sermons He had to sit through? And so I venture to say, I'm going to preach a bad sermon, a bunch of bad sermons here and there. But Jesus, in hum humility and graciousness, I'm sure He still probably encouraged the good that He saw in every sermon. Those rabbis that would stand up and teach. Uh, he sat through a whole lot of them. He's, he's a perfect, uh, greatest expositor of the Scripture that has ever been. And yet, He still made it a habit to be gathering with the people of God. And so on this occasion, His fame, as I said earlier, had been spreading... And so he's there, the minister of the uh, synagogue there in Nazareth says, he sees Jesus here and he realizes, that, hey Jesus, why don't you preach for us today? And so it says there that he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for a read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And so as I said earlier, the order of the service in the synagogue was that do you know they had orders of service in the synagogue? Jesus sat through that. Sometimes we say, hey, we don't have any order of service. We just want to follow the Spirit. I think you can follow the Spirit and have order at the same time. And so in the synagogue, they, they, would, they would begin their services by the reading of the psalm. They would read the Shema, which was the, uh, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And they'd go on and read the rest of that in Deuteronomy 6. They would have the repetition of the 18 blessings. They would have the reading of the law in Hebrew and in Aramaic. They would have it uh, reading of the prophets in Hebrew and Aramaic, as I said earlier. And then there would be a time for a sermon on the Scripture with a concluding blessing by the synagogue ruler. And so in this moment, Jesus is here in the synagogue of Nazareth and He has been handed the, the scroll of Isaiah. He's been asked, to deliver the exposition for this day. Man, can you imagine what it had been like to be there? We are here though. We're able to experience because the Holy Spirit inspired this word. And so he unrolls a scroll. It wasn't a book like this. It was a scroll. A big long scroll. It was wrapped up. He, he unraveled it. And he found the place that he wanted to preach from. He had a book, chapter, and verse. Actually, they didn't have the chapters and verses in the Old Testament in that day. It was just written. That was added by man. All those numbers in the Bible, they were all added by man at some later date. So he begins to read from the Scripture. And here's, here's what he chose. Isaiah 61. And here's what he read. And he was going to expound upon it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. How would this message impact our culture today? He says, to preach deliverance to the captives 
and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised or oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book. And he gave it to the minister. And he sat down. What was he preaching? What was he sharing with the congregation? I believe this is the heartbeat of his ministry. The heartbeat of his message. He said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Jesus was aware that He was the Christ. He was aware that He was the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophets. And He was actually the fulfillment of the law and the prophets and the Psalms. He would later say that at the end of the book of Luke. And so He is here. He knows, I am the Spirit anointed Messiah here to save the world. And He unravels what it meant for Him to be the Christ Listen to this. Here's some points that he says, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To preach the gospel, there's where we get the word evangelism. Jesus came to share the good news to the poor. And the poor in this in this realm here, it's not just economically poor. It's not just those that are destitute and those that are subject to begging. But even still, if it was just the poor in that regard, economic status-wise, then you would say, look at Jesus. Jesus realized that souls are so much more important than the status of man in this world. The souls of man is more important than a person's financial status uh, educational status, social status, political status. He said He came to preach to the lowly, to the outcasts, to those that had nothing really in this world because He realized they had a soul that needed to hear the good news. And so the Messiah, the Christ of God, the one sent from heaven said, I'm not concerned about all these statuses. I'm concerned about the souls of man. And so many times, the poor and the outcasts get overlooked because they don't have. They live on the fringe of things at times. And Jesus said, I came. That's the first thing He said. I came to preach good news to the destitute. If that wasn't enough, let me share what He said. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To those that were brokenhearted. To those who have been crushed by life. Jesus, like an earthen vessel in those days, they had a lot of clay pots in those days. And sometimes a clay pot might get dropped and it might get broken into many pieces. Jesus is the kind of compassionate Savior that has the ability to reach down. And just like that earthen vessel was broken, He knows how to put the pieces back together in our lives. What a compassionate and all-sufficient Savior. It says that He has uh, sent me to preach deliverance to the captives. Uh, what does that deliverance mean? It actually is rooted in Leviticus chapter 25 in the, the idea of the year of the Jubilee that when every, every 50 years... If you had purchased land, if you had to sell yourselves into slavery, or you were in debt in some kind of ways, every 50 years when the horn blew, uh, there was a year of freedom where everything was realigned. You returned to your property and everything was set back in place. And so he said, Jesus came to preach deliverance to the captives, to those that were in bondage, not only in uh, social ways or financial ways, but we know that many people today are in bondage to sin 
and they're living in fear of death. And Jesus came to open up the prison doors that people could walk out. And instead of living in bondage, they could live in freedom. He goes on to say here, He came to preach the recovering of the sight to the blind. Who do we know that's blind in this world? That Jesus was able, it says, as blind Bartimaeus was there on the road to Jericho one day, Jesus has got the power to open up the physical eyes of individuals. But as Brother JT would mention many times in his testimony, he said he heard a message that the blind lead the blind and both fall into the ditch. And he heard about a man named Jesus. Jesus right here came for the recovering of the sight of the blind. Because the God of this world has blinded the eyes of unbelievers lest they see the light of the glory of God shining in the face of Jesus. And so Jesus came in with this mission to preach the recovering of the sight of the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to those oppressed, to those weakened, whether in body or in soul, to those that were weighed down. Jesus came to meet people where they are and to bring hope and freedom and good news to the lost. And listen to what he says as he read those scriptures. Verse 21. Back in verse 20. The eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. As Jesus read those verses, he had everyone's attention. You know, sometimes we struggle to have everybody's attention in the house of God. People get focused on everything else rather than hearing the Word of God. But there, as Jesus laid it out, everybody was focused on Him. Jesus made this statement. Do you need to meet someone today that can make you spiritually rich? Do you need to meet somebody today who can make you whole in heart? Free from bondage? You need someone that can help you see and have vision. A vision of God and a vision for this life. Someone who can set you free from your limitations. And someone who can make it all right. Right here Jesus said, This day is this Scripture fulfilled in your ears. In essence, they didn't fully understand it, but in essence, Jesus was saying, I am the man, Christ Jesus, the Messiah. He revealed, he preached himself to this congregation. He preached the clear truth of the gospel to this congregation. This is all bearing witness. They all testified and they wondered at his gracious words. They were amazed at what He had to say. All these words that came out of His mouth. But then things began to change because people began to see you just in a fleshly way. People struggle to see the work of God in someone else sometimes. They don't see your potential. They just, they just see you from a fleshly way and they begin to question in the congregation that this new preacher that everybody's talking about all over Galilee... That's Joseph's son. How can he be what he just said he was? They just saw him through the flesh. They, 
this is just Joseph's son. They even they got that wrong too, didn't they? It was Joseph's adopted son, but he wasn't his biological son because if he was a biological son, he would have inherited the same sin nature that Joseph had. But Jesus was sinless. He was undefiled. The Father had already spoken from heaven and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The devil had already tempted Him and tried to test Him and get Him into sin. But Jesus overcame that. This is the sinless Son of God. And said, this is not this Joseph's son. And Jesus said to them, he, he knew the hearts of what was going on in their minds. He said, you will surely say to me this proverb. Jesus had an understanding. He knew that he had omniscience. He knew what was in the heart of man. And he said, you'll say this, physician, heal yourself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also, do also here in this country. Basically what they're saying, hey, Jesus, you didn't take a dose of your own medicine. Doctor, heal yourself. You treat yourself first. It's pretty much what they're saying. And then he goes on. Jesus went on. Because he realized the hearts and the condition of them. He said in verse 24, Verily I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. What did they do to the prophets in the Old Testament? They didn't fare very well for those that were telling the truth, did they? Many of them were martyred for the truth. It says here, Jesus, Jesus reminded them of uh, God sending a couple of the prophets in days gone by to Gentiles. Because they felt they, they had elevated status because they were the people of God, the covenant people of God. But God had given them the law and the prophets, the tabernacle, the temple, the adoption, the covenants, the promises, the Word of God, everything. He given all those to point to the Messiah coming. The Messiah, the Savior of the world, is standing in their synagogue. And their thoughts are, this is how fleshly they were. They thought, this is Joseph's son. And then Jesus tells them about two prophets in days gone by. He said, let me tell you about Elias or Elijah. That there are a lot of widows in the days of Elijah. But God sent Elijah to this widow in Zarephath. She was ready to die. You remember when Elijah over in 1 Kings, I believe chapter 17, that Elijah showed up. She was without hope. Think about it. She was a woman. She was a widow. She was outside of Israel. Look at, look, at, look at a view of Luke's gospel as we see Jesus sharing the gospel with the destitute, the outcast, the outsider, those that don't fit in, those that are on the fringe. This, this whole gospel right here is meant to point us to sharing the gospel with the people that are farthest away from God. And so Elijah shows up and the widow says, all I got is a handful of meal and a little bit of oil. Elijah said, hey, that'll do. Fix me a cake. She said, I was planning on fixing that with a few sticks that I have here and me and my son were going to eat it and we're going to die. That's how, that's how desperate people were in that day. But yet God sent a prophet to a desperate woman outside of Israel to share hope and good news. What a beautiful... Do you know anybody that's desperate today? Do you know anybody destitute today? Do you know anybody that's so downtrodden that they don't know how they're going to make it through next week? If we don't, maybe we need to get out in the world a little bit more and find some folks because we've got good news for them. And so Jesus told them the story about Elias or Elisha or Elijah. But then he said, no, let me tell you about Elijah. There were a lot of lepers in the, day, in the land of Israel during the days of Elisha. 
And he said, Elisha was only sent to this one man named Naaman. Man, he had a story too. I encourage you to read about him in 2 Kings chapter 5. Elisha was a general. He was a general over the, the king's armies. He, he wore his suit. He directed armies. But underneath his nice attire, it says, it says, but he was a leper. And eventually, a little maiden girl that had been ca held captive by uh, during a raid in Israel, she was taken over uh, to, became Naaman's uh, a servant in his house. And she said, let me tell you about the prophet in, in, in Israel. And Naaman said, well, nothing else has worked. I'm tired of being a leper. Because can you imagine how you have, you've got all this accomplishment from an external standpoint, but you're embarrassed because you've got to cover up your whole body because he was a leper. And, and for the Jews, a leper was unclean, unclean, unclean. They had to be way. They had to stay outside the community. But it said, Naaman came down to visit Elisha, and Elisha didn't even come meet him. He sent his servant. That really fired him up because he was a man of pride. He was a man of power. He knew how to say things and get things done. But that was a humbling part. And then Elisha gave him the word, said, hey, just go dip in Jordan seven times, and you'll be clean. It'll be, it'll take care of just like that. And old Naaman was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And uh, he said, can I not go to uh, the river of Damascus or far, far, one of these other uh, cleaner rivers? I don't want to dip in Jordan. And the servant said, hey, if he had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? And he eventually did it. He came up on that seventh time and Naaman was healed. That's a message in itself. But I want you to see here what God was showing, what Jesus was sharing with the people in his hometown of Nazareth. They had a very closed mind. You know what it's like to have a closed mind? If you get really closed-minded, you get very restrictive you get very oppressive. You get very controlling. And the gospel, as we'll see in a few chapters later, you can't put new wine into old wineskins because they'll burst. Jesus is trying to expand their mind of both the Messiah and His mission in the world. And look at their reaction. What is our reaction to the Messiah today? What is our reaction to his mission? That he said he's preaching the gospel to the poor, the destitute. He came to deliver the captives. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to reach those that are out there in the farthest places. Because they need hope. That they're desperate. The widow was desperate. Naaman was desperate. He's in desperate places. And Jesus says, hey, my mission, my mission in this world, you think you've got me figured out. I'm, I am the Messiah. The, the, the Holy Spirit has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And He's called me to go out to, to rescue. Now, Jesus never went outside of Israel. But I'll tell you, His mission was to die on that cross that the gospel may go to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. We must gain that same perspective. But... There are some churches that are very restrictive. And they think, man, there's certain people we ain't going to reach. I believe the hometown of Nazareth here was similar to them because when they heard this message about we need to go reach these people, listen to what they did. They all, how about getting kicked out? How about getting kicked out of not only your synagogue, but getting kicked out of uh, your hometown? They all in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath. They were overflowing with anger and animosity. 
and hatred toward Jesus. Jesus preached in the shadow of the cross. They rose up, thrust him out of the city, led him to the brow of the city. They're going to throw him head first over the cliff. They hated him already. His hometown people hated him and hated his message. Jesus is the embodiment of love and of truth. And yet here in his hometown, the very Son of God, the perfect man, is rejected in his hometown. They wanted him to die. But Jesus was not going to die in Nazareth. It says he passing through the midst of them. The Bible doesn't give us a, a really a full description for how that happened other than they were about to grab him or throw him over the cliff. It says, I don't know if the fear of God, apparently the fear of God is on them. Perhaps the town of Nazareth kind of like this church building. And Jesus said he walked through the midst of them. It was not his time because no man was going to take his life from him. He had the power to lay it down. He had the power to raise it up again because he was the Messiah on a mission to save sinners from their sin and God's purposes would not be thwarted. Which is a great reminder of us. I began by talking about popularity. I told you that sometimes if you base your life on public opinion, you can go from the best to the worst. You can go from hero to zero just like that. We must live our lives based on what does it look like to please God and follow Him. We too live in the shadow of the cross. Actually, not just the shadow of the cross, we are called to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow after Him. In the house of God, we should find a welcoming. Sometimes you may not. I hope we do. But there may be some that are closed-minded that don't understand the gospel or maybe are not as far along. We need to be more like Jesus. We need to live in mission with Him and we need to seek to live a life of pleasing Him because we'll never go wrong. And so we see right here very quickly that cross was looming even in His first sermon in His hometown because that's why He came. He came to save and deliver Sinners like you and me. And praise God. Praise God Jesus didn't get swayed by the praise. And praise God Jesus didn't get swayed by the criticism. Praise God He was moved by the very Word of God that called Him to fulfill the purposes His Father had for Him. And brothers and sisters, I have awesome news this morning for you. He got it done. As we get a song and sing, He can get it done for you too. He can fix your heart this very morning if you seek Him as we stand and sing.